Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. NYBG's brand new online education program, Plant Studio, offers bite-sized courses tailor-made for you. Guided by plant professionals, dig into botany, floral design, landscape design, and more. Online learning your way. Register at NYBG.org. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. Jeffrey Salingo, the perfect person with whom to converse today because he wrote the definitive book on college admissions. It's called Who Gets In and Why. He's written about higher education for more than two decades and is a New York Times bestselling author of three books. Uh, that is his latest, and he joins me now. Hey, Jeff, welcome back. It's nice to have you here. Can we remind people, you embedded yourself in the admissions office. I'm doing this from memory. It's been a while since I read the book, but it was three different universities, right? Yeah, that's right, Michael. It was uh, the University of Washington in Seattle, Davidson College in North Carolina, and Emory University in uh, in Georgia. Did they each handle race as a factor in the same way, or did they have different approaches? Well, in different ways, because actually the University of Washington had to follow Washington law. It's one of several states, I think almost a dozen, that even before the Supreme Court case had uh, restricted the use of affirmative action in college admissions and hiring and other things. So they couldn't actually even use race as a factor at the University of of Washington. Now, Davidson and and Emory as private universities and in states that had not banned uh, affirmative action did use it as a factor, you know, as a plus factor in admissions. So uh, how do you expect the the decision yesterday? I mean, the the decision yesterday primarily impacts, I hate to use this word, but so-called elite institutions. There are many, many colleges and universities out there. They're not going to ha- change anything. Am I right? Right. They don't really even practice affirmative action in admissions because uh, they accept most of the students who apply. Really, where this ruling is going to have the most impact are those institutions. And we're talking, you know, maybe dozens, maybe a hundred, if that, uh, that, where there are way, way many more applicants than there are seats. So, you know, the Ivy Leagues, the big public uh, flagship universities, the small elite liberal arts colleges, those are the institutions we're talking about here. And Justice, uh, Chief Justice Roberts yesterday explained how at Harvard and UNC they were relying on race to some extent. Uh, can you give us sort of the, the lay explanation? How was what was the lay of the land before this decision at those two schools? 
Well, the lay of the land, and, and this has changed over the years because the court has uh, ruled on affirmative action most of the time, that they couldn't give, you know, they couldn't have a separate uh, admissions process and they couldn't give specific points uh, to students for being part of an underrepresented minority group. Really, where uh, affirmative action came in, where race-conscious admissions came in, is essentially as a, as a plus factor. When you, when you had, you know, two students... Uh, who were kind of similar in some ways, and, and you kind of had to put the weight uh, on the scale for, for somebody, and that's where you put the weight on the scale uh, for, for underrepresented students. That's really how it was, uh, was used. As Chief Justice Roberts wrote, at Harvard, each application for admission is initially screened by a quote-unquote first reader who assigns a numerical score in each of six categories – academic, extracurricular, athletic, school support, personal, and overall. For the overall category, a composite of the five other ratings, a first reader can and does consider the applicant's race. Now, that will no longer be the case, but how does Jeffrey Salingo think these schools will endeavor to still have a diverse environment on campus? Well, I think they're going to do it through where they recruit from, right? They, we, we still have very segregated high schools in the U.S., uh, so we could uh, uh, recruit more, for example, on, on income, uh, and, and that allows uh, uh, colleges to recruit from lower-income schools where they're more likely to get uh, a, a more uh, diverse uh, student body. Uh, the other thing that uh, Chief Justice Roberts wrote specifically is that uh, students can, for example, in their essays, talk about how uh, race has uh, formed uh, formed them and, and informed them over the years. Uh, and so I think that things like the essay could potentially become, uh, in, in specific prompts that uh, institutions ask for, could become something that uh, institutions uh, look for. Now, of course, he specifically warned them, though, not to use the essay as a, as a, as a filter for saying, okay, we're going to let this student in because they are a member of an underrepresented minority. Okay, but isn't that the workaround that has now been presented to, to any student who still wants to be a beneficiary of affirmative action? I mean, the thing is that even without telling an institution your race or ethnicity, there are so many other clues, Michael, in the application to let the admissions reader know this on the other side. The other thing is that these are are very human ways of, you know, these are humans on the other side that are reading these applications. Um, And and as a result, I'm not quite sure how this is going to be policed in any way. I think we're going to continue to get lawsuits and complaints to the Office for Civil Rights at the Education Department. Because how are you going to prove that institutions are not using any sort of of race conscious uh, uh, race conscious ability in their in their in, in crafting a class? It's going to be very hard to do that, and and that specifically is the case now without test scores. Remember, in the last couple of years, most of these selective colleges stopped requiring test scores, so they no longer have test scores for every applicant. And in most of these affirmative action cases in the past, test scores were used as proof of their use of race as a more than a plus factor in many of these cases. Yeah, it's an important it's an important uh, thing to keep in mind because the SAT, for a variety of fact reasons, has been in decline for quite some time. 
It, it has been. And, and remember, what they were able to show is that, uh, you know, a white student who or an Asian student who scored a 15 or a 1550 on the SAT out of 1600, you know, was denied admission. And, uh, and, a, and a black student who maybe scored a 1200 or something like that was accepted. So they were able to show these disparities. Well, when they don't have that data for every student anymore, for the plaintiffs, it's going to become much harder to prove this, I believe, in a court. Is it a zero-sum game? I mean, does Jeffrey Salingo believe that we're going to see more African-Americans not accepted at those 100, if it is 100 institutions? Meanwhile, the number of, of Asians will increase? I think at some institutions that's going to be the case. I think that other, because we saw that in places like California, for example, where affirmative action was, was also banned, you know, 20 plus years ago. But I think for at many other institutions, uh, I think they have, first of all, race was a smaller uh, aspect of the admissions process in the last couple of years than it has been 20 years ago. They have figured out workarounds, to be honest with you, you know, well before this case uh, went into place. Why didn't they use them? Because it was easier to use race as a factor. I think now they're going to have to put their money and their efforts behind these other workarounds, and I think that's the direction they're going to have be headed in. I've, I've been leading you thus far. You're the expert in this area. What most surprised you, if anything, about yesterday, or, or did you anticipate all of this? Well, I think we anticipated the decision the way it went down. We knew that affirmative action was over uh, in terms of admissions and uh, admissions process. One thing that did surprise me is this carve-out they uh, have for the uh, for the, the military academies, yes. right? That the military yes. academies are still going to be able to use uh, affirmative action and race-conscious admissions. And that is one thing that did surprise me and a lot of other people. Why is it okay for the military academies but not everybody else? I, I'm reading the, uh, the the footnote to which you reference. This is Chief Justice Roberts. The United States, as amicus curiae, which means a, a friend of the court, contends that race-based admissions programs further compelling interests at our nation's military academies. No military academy is a party to these cases, however, and none of the courts below address the propriety of race-based admissions systems in systems in that context. This opinion also does not address the issue in light of the potentially distinct interests that military academies may present. And then, Jeff, in, in the, uh, the write-up that I saw at Huffington Post on this, there was an adjunct professor at the Georgetown Law School who was quoted as saying, don't die for us but don't enroll in our schools. I agree with you. That's going to become a flashpoint. It's interesting. I don't understand why they have a distinct interest in having a diverse military, for example, but that, uh, you know, a corporate America, for example, which really has long supported affirmative action, and especially at elite colleges and universities, because that's where they recruit, uh, why they don't have a distinct interest. It's very interesting why one has that distinct interest and the other doesn't. What's the view from the admissions offices, either those in which you were embedded or generally speaking? Like, how is this news being greeted? Well, one of the big questions uh, that they have, and, and I think they're not going to be able to do this, is that, Michael, once they received applications starting in November, meaning, of course, this November, they closely tracked the composition of their classes. They were constantly looking at, as they put people into the acceptance bin. Where did they come from geographically? What did they want to major in? Their gender, their race, their ethnicity, you know, their alumni status, all that stuff, or their you know, legacy status. All these things were tracked. It's somewhat clear from this, and, and this is one of the things I think will be asked over the coming weeks, it's somewhat clear from this decision they won't be able 
able to do that anymore. They, yes, they will be able to later on report the composition of their classes to the U.S. Department of Education, but they're not going to be able to track it during the admission season. And that's how they used to shape these classes to make sure that they had a particular percentage of students from different uh, race and ethnicities within their class. Among the other uh, items still to be determined, whether this impacts the workforce is the thinking of this case. I don't know the answer to this, but I'm keenly interested. Is, is this thinking now going to extend beyond college admissions offices? My hunch is yes. My hunch is yes. I'm not a lawyer, but my hunch is this will now be used to now go after race-conscious policies elsewhere. And I think one of the other big questions is what's the impact on financial aid programs? Because there's a lot of financial aid programs. There's a lot of recruiting programs for college students that are also race-conscious. And what uh, what is their ability to continue those programs? Well, and let me add to your list of, of open questions. How about legacy admissions? What do you think the <laughs> approach is going to be on those going forward? Well, Michael, I mean, first of all, I mean, it's clear uh, President Biden said that the Education Department's going to look at that. There is uh, legislation both at the national level and in several states to do away with or ban legacy admissions. I mean, the issue that I have is that yesterday I received a ton of statements from selective colleges and universities denouncing this opinion. And at the same time, many of these colleges still practice legacy admissions. I'm not quite sure how they square those two things. I'm not sure how they say we are upset that we can't use race-conscious admissions, but at the same time continue a practice that is well-documented as supporting largely white, wealthier students. You know, Jeff, I have to tell you something. I, uh, within the last three weeks, went to my 39th reunion. Next year will be a milestone, but 39th college reunion. I, I did my undergraduate work at Lehigh, and I was a legacy. I was a horrible performer on uh, standardized tests, always was, whether it was the SAT, LSAT, I did much better because I really invested myself. But it didn't come naturally to me the way, for example, it came to my, my brother, who's just you know innately smart. But what I wanted to say is it was amazing how many of my classmates, including many of my fraternity brothers, had one or more children who had also attended Lehigh. In my case, my brother went to the same school. My father got a master's there. And I know that it's easily criticized, but it instills one aspect of legacy admissions is it instills such a sense of devotion and loyalty, which I'm sure leads to contributions for whatever the school may be, but but also a, a, an ongoing sense of commitment. I'm trying to say in, in an awkward way, there there is an argument to be made. There is an argument to be made for legacy admissions. At least I think so. And no doubt about it. And I think that as long as they were able to practice on one hand doing that and on the other hand, on legacy, and on the other hand being still able to use race, institutions justified it. But I'm not quite sure how they justify it now, saying, well, we are really worried, because they're all saying yesterday, we're really worried about recruiting a diverse class. How right. do you justify that now if they're so worried? Right. I don't know. It's, I think it's an open question. I, you know, I, I agree with you about the impact of legacy admissions, uh, but uh, you know, especially at these places where now particularly it's hard to get in. I'm just not quite sure how they justify it, given their, their worry over this opinion yesterday. Jeffrey Salingo, thank you so much. That was excellent, and I'm appreciative. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thanks, Jeff. Frank, you're in Albany, New York. I'm told that you're a high school principal, so you've got some skin in the game on this affirmative action decision. What thoughts do you have? Right. I'm retired, by the way. Um, But 
when um, the high school that was north of uh, New York City, that I was uh, there for 25 years um, prior to my retirement, we were um, authorized by the state uh, through federal funding 30 years ago um, to start uh, applying um, extra help and assistance to um, black students. So to give them a leg up in the process of being accepted into a college and uh, in the spirit of the law, we we did that. But we also included um, students of um, Asian, white and Latino who were um, disadvantaged. And we knew that they were disadvantaged because in order to get free and reduced lunch, they had to fill out a form with the uh, family in, in income. And um, if we hadn't done that, I feel that the school would have been um, more divided than it could have already been among the different students there. It was about 50% white. And it was so you were you were ahead of your time. You were looking at socioeconomic factors, not just race. Right. And then as time went on, um, the state said, you know, the money started to go to black and Latino. Right. It said nothing about Asian or white kids. And it had said nothing about economics, just right. race. So we basically. um just decided we're not going to do it by race because that's um, discrimination that we were going to do it the fairest way possible. And we were going to give that uh, extra help to give the kids a leg up in the process for college by economic standing. Yeah. Well, you were, you were ahead of your time and, and the court, the court is now taking the exact same approach uh, thank you, Frank. I see all the other calls. When we come back, I'm going to share with you a unique analysis of how this is going to go. OK, I, th- I think I have it figured out and I-, I know what's going to become of college admissions. Hang with me and let me explain. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Listen to Michael live, weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Ladies and gentlemen, college admissions post-affirmative action decision. Let me, let me give you a little insight. In the Roberts' opinion, he said the following. Both programs, meaning Harvard and USC, UNC, both programs lack sufficiently focused and measurable objectives warranting the use of race, unavoidably employ race, in a negative manner, involve racial stereotyping and lack meaningful endpoints. We have never permitted admissions programs to work in that way, and we will not do so today. At the same time, as all parties agree, nothing in this opinion should be construed as prohibiting universities from considering an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise. So I got a note last night as I'm doing my read-in, preparing for the show, from my buddy Larry Seisler. Give him a shout-out. Larry's a lawyer. He doesn't practice law. Smart guy. And Larry said to me, so Robert said that a black applicant can write about being of that race and be admitted for diversity. Diversity is not illegal. You can order up an AI-generated personal admission essay on being a minority and see how it looks because that's now going to be in the playbook. And I said to myself, that's a great idea. So I went to chat GPT. This took me all of 60 seconds. And I said the following. Here was my prompt. Please help me write a college admissions essay. I need 250 words. I am an African-American female and I want to explain the difficulties I have had to overcome based on race. Within 60 seconds, no, most of the 60 seconds was taken with me writing. Within 10 seconds, here's what came back, including a title. Embracing the light amidst shadows. As an African-American female, my journey through life has been shaped by the unyielding determination to surmount the challenges cast upon me due to the color of my skin. Growing up, I witnessed the profound impact of racial disparities in society, which taught me the invaluable lessons of resilience, perseverance, and the power of my voice. From an early age, I confronted the harsh reality of racial prejudice while my peers indulged in carefree childhood pursuits. I navigated the complexities of being viewed as different. In the face of such adversity, I made a conscious choice to turn obstacles into opportunities for growth. Instead of letting discrimination define me, I transformed it into a catalyst for my personal and intellectual development. 
In the classroom, I actively sought out diverse perspectives, craving knowledge that would enable me to challenge stereotypes and misconceptions. Through my academic achievements, I not only defied preconceived notions, but also inspired those around me. By engaging in meaningful conversations and initiatives, I aimed to dismantle the barriers that confined minds and perpetuated systemic injustices. I could go on. There are just three more paragraphs. You get the picture. All AI generated. That's not my real point. My real point is that the essay now becomes the tell. Right? Roberts opened that door in expressly saying, hey, if you want to if you want to explain how race has impacted you, then then have at it. One more thing, in in addition to just illustrating the sophistication of chat GPT, I was using 3.5. If I had used 4.0, I could have tied into the Internet, and this would have been much more timely, much more fact-based if I wanted it to. And, and also, you might have heard what I was reading, and you might think, well, that's rather vanilla, no pun intended. Uh, I mean, it doesn't tell us anything about the personal, really personal experience. Believe me, if I said, I, I am an African-American female, and I'm a cheerleader, or I'm in AP history, or, I mean, it would immediately incorporate all of that in less than 60 seconds. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Reese, greetings in Austin, Texas, a school superintendent, I believe. And I'm so grateful for you calling in because I'm wondering, is everybody going to now go to the Texas top 10 percent system? Go ahead. Sound off. They should. So I was a superintendent in a really small school 
and was asked to come give testimony to the state legislature after top 10% had been in about two or three years. And I told him, it's the only way my kids, I was in a really small Hispanic uh, district in South Texas. And I said, this is the only way my kids are going to get into top universities. Uh, they also invited a superintendent from an extremely rich uh, school district uh, near the Dallas area. And she looked me straight in the eye and said, the kids in my third quarter are smarter than your valedictorian and my kids should be in over yours. Jeez. I said, that's just, it's, that's just not true. All kids deserve an opportunity. And Michael, I'll go on a limb and say that top 10% actually works better than uh, the other programs. I like top 10% because by definition, it takes into consideration where you're coming from. And if you're, if you're a high achiever in whatever that environment might be, I think you deserve it. Acceptance. It's a geographic uh, way to get all kids in, whereas affirmative action is not. We want right. to spread the wealth. I mean, that would be the best thing to do as far as because students, obviously, that get college degrees are going to br- come back to their communities and give more wealth to that community. So, therefore, we're spreading diversity. We're spreading the wealth uh, throughout any state as long as it's a diverse state. So, yes, yeah. it's very much a geographic diversity as well as race diversity. Can I say that uh, uh, today in in the Smirconish.com newsletter, I have a story on exactly this issue, which, is, yeah, in, in fact, it's the, from the Texas. Uh, thank you, Reese. It's from the Texas Tribune. And the headline that I put on it is get ready for Texas's top 10 percent plan, because I think this is the way it's going to go. John, you're in Kansas City, Missouri. You told my screener that you wanted to say, how is this supposed color blindness going to work? I think I just illustrated for you how it's really going to work in the essay. Students are going to say whatever it is they think the admissions office needs to know about their background. Look, look, whatever, whatever you say, but what what's going to happen is, is they're going to figure out who's black and who's white, and then they're going to let in the white people. This is just another way, to, and it's going to go, it's going to filter out to other jobs. It's going to tell out the jobs, contracts, and everything else. There's no way that we can get this country to be colorblind, okay? It's not reality. It's, it's, it's the same thing like a mass shooting where everybody says hopes and prayers. That's all it is. It doesn't exist. You can't make it exist by ignoring race. Yeah, I think I come to a different conclusion. I was trying to illustrate how the school will still know. They will still know the race of students because there will be opportunities for the students to say exactly that if they want them to. And, you know, something else I have to throw into the mix that I, I, I didn't, which is... Uh, I do undergraduate, I don't know if I've discussed this on air, but I, I guess I will. I, I, I do undergraduate uh, admissions interviews, usually between, you know, four or five per year when it's the season. And I don't even I don't even do them for my undergraduate institution, which I've identified. I, I do them for undergraduates at the place where I did my law school work. Go figure. I don't I don't even know how I got into this. I get into this like five years ago and uh, and I enjoy the process. I mean, I, it's a it's a way for me to give back. School's been good to uh, uh, to, to me and, and to some of our kids. And I, I feel like I I want to give back. So I, I do it. It's like a 30 minute process whenever I do these interviews. So a couple of hours of my time, if that. 
every fall. And I enjoy it. I, I mean, I'm always... I'm always kind of heartbroken because the odds are are not in the favor of any of these individuals, and they're all so damn talented. I don't think I've ever written an evaluation that says, no, this young man or woman is just not, it's never happened. They're all so, I get it, how hard it is for the admissions office. What's my point? My point is the the interview process is going to be one more area where the school's going to know. They're going to know. In the end, will there be fewer blacks admitted, more Asians admitted? Maybe so. That seems to be what the data suggests. But the school is going to know. That's what I'm trying to convey. CT, you're in Houston. You most wanted to say what? Uh, yeah. Hi, Michael. Um the number one reason why um, I think the affirmative action ruling is bullshit is because um, no one in the opinion or in, in the arguments, no one arguing against affirmative action said anything, well, against race-based affirmative action, has said anything about gender-based. Uh, because the, the number one beneficiaries of affirmative action in this country have been white women, which is statistically. And it's not to say that women have not suffered in this country as a result of discrimination, but everyone's okay with that. Like no one says anything about it, but it's only the race-based discrimination, race-based affirmative action policies that get constantly attacked. And Robert's opinion, particularly, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the fact that he exempted the military academies. They they leave out certain discrete caveats, like you can still do affirmative action for gender, uh, and the military academies don't have to uh, abide by their decision. But everybody else, we're just going to forget race. That's going to be that's bullshit. that's going to be back. Thank you, CT. That's going to be back in front of the court in like no time. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel One Twenty Four live weekdays from nine a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio. And producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.